Welcome in, everybody, to the West Side Sports Podcast. It is June 13th, 2023, on this cloudy, beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, as always, I am your host, Dakota Ezri. Welcome in to, to, to today's podcast. You can find me on socials at PNWProfessor on Twitter. Also, if you are a diehard Mariners fan and want to get more up-to-date uh, up to date and day-to-day information on the squad, State of the Farm updates, promotions, stuff like that, reach, you can find my sports group on Facebook, Sports in the Northwest, with a green, teal, action green, uh, or Pacific green insignia. Today's podcast is going to be primarily focused on the state of the union for our beloved Seattle Mariners. I'm going to do a brief around the world section today. Covering, obviously, the couple of the main topics, because I have not had a podcast probably in at least a week or so. I have been not as consistent on here as I used to be, but uh, still trying to toss out some content for you guys when we get enough bigger content in general. With that being said, we're going to hop into into today's show. Uh, thank you so much, as always, taking the time out of your busy day. Let's get, uh, let's get into the skinny of things that's happened around the world. So, PGA, live golf. Everyone's talked about this at nauseum, and for a new reason. Uh, this is a huge, huge move uh, in this in the sports landscape, in our sports world, the sports nation. I initially, I didn't hate the Live Golf Tour. I'm not a golf watcher myself, which obviously probably takes away a lot of my uh, passion for this topic. But from my from from my lens, from my uh, from my point of view here, more golf has to be a good thing, right? The more golf we get, the more opportunities we get to watch this, uh, more names can come and rise to fruition to be of something of uh, a name for childhood or a household name for kids to bond to, right? I used to be a big Tiger Woods fan when or golf when Tiger Woods was prevalent, when Rory, when Rory McIlroy, if I can talk today, uh, when he was really you know cooking in the prime of his career, but golf's just kind of hit a dead end, and I don't. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to take anything away from what's happened in the course of the PGA. There's been plenty of great stories, John Rom, stuff like that. But I think this is in the best interest for the PGA to just stop fighting and going against the grain. It's like if you're trying to, you know, if you cook a, you know, a grill a good, you know, T-bone or a New York steak. You don't want to cut against the grain. You want to cut with the grain or whatever the correct term is. I don't eat a whole lot of red meat, but that's what they kind of say about that stuff. Anyways, um, it's what breaks my heart about this whole topic is there, there were so many guys like Rory, like, like Tiger, that denied hundreds of millions, and in Tiger's case, a billion damn near dollars to turn away from live golf. And now... That money that you lost out, Tiger, which I'm sure probably wouldn't hurt your bank account, but you probably really obviously don't need because you're Tiger freaking Woods. It hurts. It's immorals. It's um everything that you raise somebody to be upon, right? When you when you when you're a child and your parents are raising you, you have morals. You have things that you live your life off of and that you base your understandings and the way you feel and your passions off of, right? So when the PGA told these guys that there was not going to be that, you know, we don't have any interest, blah, blah, blah. You have nothing to worry about. And then this pops out out of the complete blue. And you've got legit pros tweeting out live saying, is this real? Is this happening? Uh, the main, I don't have his name off on, on my list here. Apologies. The PGA tour commissioner 
uh, he has got to take the fattest L I have seen in a long time. Big old juicy L for <laughs> telling these guys, hey, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, early in the morning, giant bombshell drops and everybody's just trying to scramble up the pieces and whatnot. So we'll see what happens with this. But I'm curious to see if they're going to merge the rankings between both the tours, Bryson DeChambeau, stuff like that. So I'll keep my ears down to it, but we'll see what happens with that. Lionel Messi leaving Europe for MLS is absolutely huge. Obviously, Lionel Messi is one of the top three, probably biggest soccer stars in the world, besides for Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Mbappe, and that's like the really only two names that I know of, honestly, for soccer. But the report was that he was offered, get this, three years, $1.5 billion to stay in Europe. from, And that money is from the Saudi Arabian... Uh, embassy slash government because they're, they're the ones who pay the pockets of all these teams or most of these teams he did not want any, any part of it he's going to come to the mls at his late 30s and he will be an absolutely massive star for the mls a great get for for david beckham and stuff like that so be curious to see what the value of his name image and likeness goes for Denver Nuggets, congratulations on your NBA championship if there's any Denver Nuggets fans i don't know a single one in my life uh congrats to you guys for winning the chip last night that's an absolutely amazing accomplishment i am beyond jealous obviously being here being a mariners fan a mariners podcast we haven't won a championship we're on 46 years so and i have it here marked that the uh, denver nuggets and the seattle mariners were on the same exact pace for overall nba championships and stuff like that but now their drought uh, has ended and congrats to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, all the other guys, Aaron Gordon on that team. I think I had DeAndre Jordan's on that team as well. Fun fact, Nikola Jokic, who won uh finals MVP, obviously because of his amazing, amazing series and the amazing postseason run. Um, second round draft pick, he was drafted in a freaking Taco Bell commercial. NBA, how disrespectful. I mean, he's second round pick. Most of these second round picks don't come to nothing. They don't, they're absolutely ass worth nothing they, they it's his toss-ins right you know the oklahoma city thunder aka our former sonics um they have like 30 second round draft picks so whatever they choose to do with that will be interesting to say the least that is around the world section for today we're going to transition straight into the mariners so 32 and 33 current record for our beloved seattle mariners nine games back out of first place uh, four and six in our last 10, right? There's going to be a couple stats here, so bear with me. If you're not a stats fan, scroll through or fast forward a minute and a half or so. We'll get into a deeper chunk of a conversation. When the Mariners hit a home run ball, heard this this morning via Brock Heward, great stat, fine, who also got that from Luke Arkins on Twitter. When the Mariners hit a home run, they're 27 and 14 on the season when they just simply hit one freaking home run, which is great. Right? Obviously, when you're 13 games above, above 500, you're clearly doing something right. That's a given. But what Jury said last Thursday, with there's a drastic power outage. There's a lot of numbers to show that this team is trending in the right direction. It's just been one of the most frustrating, complex, um, just there's so many not not nice adjectives i i i could use for this but it's such a hot mess it's like a rat's nest okay for all these for there's any fishermen that listen to 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 this podcast right you're throwing out a cast and your whole spool just what we call a rat's nest it just turns into a giant mess and you got to takes you freaking 20 minutes at least if you're lucky if you're great at fishing much better than me 
um, maybe five minutes, ten minutes to undo that rat's nest, blah, blah, blah. It's just a giant, tw tw you know, mounted up pile of fishing line. You got to work your way through it. That's been the Mariner start to this season. It's just a giant rat's nest of problems. But we're starting to kind of work our way through these knots. It kind of starting to get closer to the point where we can start putting on our leader. And I know this is a random analogy. I got fishing on my brain today. But the Mariners have a lot of things that trend in a direction that go to show that if they can continue what they're doing right now, they can make up a lot of hay and do it quickly. Teoscar Hernandez, last 30 games, 283 average, four home runs, 20 RBIs. Ty France, last 30, 304 average, five home runs, 16 RBIs. These two guys have really been picking it up lately. J.P. Crawford has been a godsend at the top of this lineup. His ability to truly control the zone. CTZ, also great podcast. If you want to go check check out my two boys, Tidane Gonzalez, Kobe Patno, that control the zone. You can find them on, on Patreon. Fantastic listen, as well as Locked On Mariners here on all podcast available platforms. Just want to give them a brief shout out. They do a great job for Locked On Mariners five days a week. Um... These two guys are the bread makers, right? And a lot of people are going to say, what do you mean bread makers? It's not, it's Ty and Atulio or Atulio and Gino or Julio and Ty or uh, Julio and, uh, and Teo, right? You can have any, you could say anybody you want to fill in this when they do, when they, when they have production on the field, it speaks for itself, obviously, right? Uh, a lot of people are a little bit concerned and frustrated with, with, with Dylan Moore. Let's just address this problem head on. And I've, anybody... If I don't make this clear enough by the time I'm done with this, then my segment has failed. The Mariners have rushed Dylan Moore's like rehab back from his core injury. And being somebody who's had a lower core injury now, uh, they are nightmares. Look at what's happened with Evan White. These things are so finical, so finicky. It's, ama it's amazing, but yet incredibly frustrating and beyond like... Any other word I could possibly use to explain how frustrating a core injury can be. They lead to so many different things. An oblique, a groin, an inner thigh. You know, I'm not going to go into the, you know, men's anatomy podcast here. But there's a lot of things that inner work and kind of relay and rely upon each other to kind of communicate effectively. And the Mariners have been rushing Dylan Moore since spring training, since week two of spring training when he had that. Slight setback, or you know, when Jerry was on Brock and Salk, and he said, Oh, and uh, Dylan Moore had a little bit of an oblique injury, but he should be good to go by spring training. And then it was, Uh, he's just a little bit behind schedule, and then it was another, and then it was another, and then it was another thing with the same problem. Dylan Moore needs more time in AAA, Jerry Scott. You guys know this. The problem is, you guys failed to accumulate enough AAA slash quad A, 4A. For those of you who don't know what a quad A or 4A means, it means he's too good for, for uh, AAA. He's not quite yet major league quality average or an average MLB bat, right? So when we talk about average depth, they went out, obviously got Colton Wong. They had Sam Haggerty. Sam Haggerty was awful at the end of, of, the, of the season. He did not have an overall great season and a great year. A lot of people are going to say, well, Sam Haggerty did a lot of great things for our team. He did, but that doesn't mean that he's a good player. He's not. If you look at his splits between when he's labeled as a switch hitter, he's not. He's a right-handed bat. 
he can't hit hardly anything left-handed. He's never really been handled at anything, much of anything left-handed. If you guys want me to, I will dig stats to prove my point on that. But his WRC plus difference between left-handed and right-handed is quite literally double. And if it's that drastic and that different, uh, that big of a difference, it just speaks for itself. So Julio also, after talking about Teo and Ty, I want to talk about Julio just for a brief second. And then we're going to go in through pitching, which is going to be a fun little segment. I got a couple fun facts for you guys today. Um, Julio continues to do Julio-like things. Hitting the baseball when he gets a cookie, taking advantage. What we haven't seen much of anything to start this year is the ability to take advantage of mistakes in the middle of the zone. When you control the zone, when you own that strike zone, when you know your corners, and you know when there's a mistake, you capitalize on that mistake. It was fantastic to see the Mariners hit on a really good pitcher. Jesus Lazardo is not a slouch. He looked like one last night. Uh, they referenced it in the commentary booth last night between Dave and Aaron that this guy has a legitimately almost exact same strikeouts per nine as Luis Castillo. He has a nine up to 99 mile an hour sinker, big sweeping, cha- uh, uh, like a slurve. He's got a circle change. The guy's nasty. He's got a really good pitch mix, but the Mariners did what they needed to do. They attacked him early. They found his errors that he made. Mistakes were taken advantage of. That's what you have to do. When you're a major league quality average team uh, right now with the Mariners right now as within the last week, they were 13th in baseball and run score per game. That will play the base and the offense is starting to wake up a little bit. Just like I've been saying, I, I was clamoring for Mike Ford. I still like Mike Ford's addition on this team, but his lack of positional versatility is concerning. He literally can only play first base or DH. He's really only a DH. I don't even know how well he can play first base. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on Jake Shiner, who's been OPSing over 1,000 with 19 home runs in AAA. Granted, that is the PCL, the Pacific Coast League. Um, so I'll keep my eye on that. Trammell is continuing to do his things. But honestly, I am personally done with the whole Taylor Trammell sweepstakes ideas. I've tried so hard to be patient with him, but with where we are and our current build with where our expectations and our aspirations for this team, we don't have the patience and or time to be waiting around for guys like Taylor Trammell to take a step forward. That's where it comes into trade deadline conversations, which I do have a trade topic idea for you guys in a player coming in at the end of today's baseball segment. We're going to go pitching here real, real quick. Uh, first of all, right out of the gate. Congratulations to Ty Adcock. An absolutely awesome story. A right fielder out of Elon who was drafted in the eighth round, obviously by our Seattle Mariners. He was a teammate of George Kirby. This guy, his profile was high uh, high velo, fastball with a really sharp, kind of what they call it a gyro slider. I honestly don't know what the hell that means. Um, it just kind of, maybe it's probably just based upon the, with how they label the break on his slider. But it was a great moment. Two innings pitched, really stepped up in a big moment, and the team desperately needed it. So congratulations to him and his family. Hearing about his struggles with you know getting healthy and the bouncing back like four or five times with these injuries, that takes a lot of commitment, that takes a lot of resolve and a lot of patience. And I just, first of all, just want to say congratulations and a fantastic debut. He was um, definitely... Definitely the benefactor of some bad, bad bit of luck. The Marlins, the Marlins did hit the ball really hard off of him. Five out of six outs that he made were hard hit outs. They were just really good defensive plays. So 
not really easy to know or see what exactly he could be or can be or what his availability can be going forward. I was a huge Juan on 10 fan. I still am. But one of the reasons why I bring up Juan 10 and, you know, comparison to Ty Adcock is it a similar kind of a profile, mid-relief arm, 7th, 8th inning, kind of, kind of, kind of your Casey Sadler-esque used-to-be bridge guy, so... Uh, Bryce Miller, first pitcher and since 1901 to go six plus innings pitched and allow two hits or fewer in at, la- in at least four of his first 10 career appearances. The guy has got a fastball and as uh, our lovely GM or our lovely uh, manager likes to say in Scott Service, um, guy hit my fastball. That's, that is my absolutely god-awful impression of uh, Texan draw. I'm not going to try that again, so I hope you guys enjoyed it for the two seconds that it was. Uh, Bryce Miller has just been a lot of fun to watch. Yes, he's had a bouncy or a pretty rough patch here the last few starts, but he's trending in, in the right direction. I'll be curious to see how he you know, continues to build off of this start. Miami is a pretty, pretty good team right now. They're playing some pretty inspired baseball. Uh, they played the White Sox, funny enough, who are actually coming to town after this next series. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out for the future. But he threw a lot more sliders than he did fastballs or not. Excuse me. That's incorrect saying. I'm going to rewind that. He threw more sliders than we're accustomed to seeing versus fastball ratio. So I would like him to continue this, but he is definitely a fastball dominant pitcher. But in our league, especially with that kind of a fastball, we've seen it from like Spencer Strider and some other guys. You have to have off speed to keep these guys off balance or else they're going to literally just go fastball hunting. So uh, Logan, last star in LA was just bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They were fastball. I talk about fastball hunting. That's exactly what the Angels did off of Logan. Uh, off-speed stuff was just abysmal. He did not have any kind of control. Command was way off for that day, and that's all I'm going to say about that start for, 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 for Logan. He's been so good for us this season that it's really hard for us to see him continuing this. The splitter has been a revelation for his overall repertoire. And let's see here. Um, Apologies, I got a bunch of pitching notes here. Penn Murphy was re-transferred uh, back to the 15-day IL after re-aggravating the same flexor issue. I'm hearing some things that are not good at all about Penn Murphy. Sounds like he is going to be looking at Tommy John. It is not confirmed. Obviously, when it is, I will have that up and available for you guys here on the pod. But with the flexor strain, we've seen it with Marco Gonzalez uh, being out for a month. But his is significantly less than Robbie Ray's. Robbie Ray obviously went down for for, uh, Tommy John. And if Penn Murphy does get Tommy John, then you're probably seeing the last of Penn Murphy. Penn Murphy's been a fun story. He really has been, obviously. He's been a nice addition to this bullpen. Pretty decent stuff. Fastballs. It's just, he's kind of that funky kind of arm slot guy. But they've got so many other guys coming up. Like I talked about, Juan Ten, Ty Adcock, and a handfuls of others coming. Um, Sam Carlson, who was a draft pick a couple of years ago, continues to work his way through the, the farm system. So if this is is the, the case, which obviously I hope it isn't for uh, Mr. Penn Murphy, I think that this will be the last we see of him with the organization. Congrats to infielder Michael Arroyo on his promotion to the Modesto Nuts. Uh, for those who do not know much about our top prospect that we signed out of the international draft signing class, Felnine Celestine, uh, out four to six weeks with, with an oblique strain he suffered in quite literally the first game he played. Uh, definitely frustrating and disappointing. Hopefully, it's nothing more than uh, a slight strain, and they just have to be careful with him because the guy has an incredible amount of value in our organization. One moment he was uh, drafted and signed for a record amount of slot money for our, our organization, he was immediately sought in as a number seven overall draft uh, or, uh, 
overall prospect in our farm system via MLB Pipeline. Trade target. I teased this uh, a few minutes ago. Chicago White Sox third baseman slash first baseman slash possibly left field Jake Berger. 250 average, 876 OPS. This guy's got a ton of power. There are 13 dingers, 32 ribs, 876 OPS. That will play. Uh, obviously, nearly 900 OPS is nearly, you know, fringe all-star level. Uh, he has struggled as of late last couple weeks. He's been uh, batting average right around 225, which obviously isn't ideal. But with where we need in our uh, current roster, you know, our holes that we need on this team are very, very blatant and getting a guy like that would fill a bunch of uh a bunch of needs that if this team wants to be truly competitive inside the world series needs to happen sooner than than later seahawks uh just a couple small things for you guys um a position that i'm looking at that has in my opinion the biggest upside for this 2023 season slash 2024 uh will be offside linebacker uh uchenna nawosu daryl taylor boy amafe Derek hall uh, DT, Daryl Taylor, it is, is in his fourth year. For those of you who think he's in his fifth year, that is incorrect. He was on NFI uh, first season because of his leg injury that he had or the shin issue as well. Moffey continues to really beef up in the offseason. Seeing a lot of pictures about him uh, or of him. He looks great. He put on maybe looks like about 10 pounds of muscle or so. Still looks really fast, really explosive, really great setting the edge in the run, which is obviously what we need to work on with our incredibly crappy run-stopping last season. Derek Call really has my full-blown attention, though. Guy is just huge. He looks like a monster. He's got, he looks like he has shoulder pads on. He's just such a jack dude. Brings the intensity, brings that passion, brings the consistency, which is what they're looking for, especially with Daryl Taylor in his fourth year. And uh, just bringing that little bit of that, what I call that GG juice, which you got to have, especially with where our team was and in, in our inability to do anything against the run. We were 32 out of 32 in football, stopping the run last season. It doesn't get any much worse than that. Love the wide receiver competition that I've seen between Jake Bobo, Drake Young, D. Eskridge. Uh, D. Eskridge has got a lot of compliments, and Jake Bobo has as well. I haven't heard much of anything about Drake Young, but I don't think that Drake Young's uh, spot on this roster is in any kind of in jeopardy. It's going to be curious to see how many wide receivers they do end up carrying. Um, obviously, with Jackson Smith and Jekba, DK Metcalf, and Tyrell Lockett, that's three. Uh, I can see them maybe carrying five if they want to do um, D. Eskridge and Derek Young. And then Jake Bobo is probably practice squad guy, but we'll kind of see what happens. We're still a couple weeks away from training camp and the juicy, juicy, juicy offseason for Seattle Seahawks really starts to kick into the next step and we start talking about the upcoming preseason and with that ladies and gentlemen children of all ages that is going to be today's podcast hope you guys had a fantastic day hope you guys enjoying your week and uh it's a good uh it's a good day overall to just reset from the heat before we get it again and uh our gardens will probably really appreciate the up the upcoming sun hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast have an absolutely beautiful day and I'll catch you guys next time peace